Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe and I'm here with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer, extraordinaire. We also have Will Hottie Patati Schmidt coming to us. We're from the Bay Area. I'm actually really not here. So uh, the show's probably not going to be that great today. This was pre-recorded. Um, so I'm sorry if you have to sit through all this without me. Thank you, Kenna, who's not even here for a very good reason. She is the proud owner of uh, her own human being. She made a person. Awesome. Yeah, good times. And pictures are cute. Everything went well. But I, it's my understanding that it was not, it was not fun for her. Like, it, I think it took like four days. Jeez, really? Yeah. And like a bunch of that time, they wouldn't let her eat. I, 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 well, we'll let her tell the story when, uh, on an episode when she can... Uh, when she remembers her name and all that kind of stuff. It, it might be a, a month or two before she's uh, ready and not doing baby stuff. But we'll hear the story about it. My understanding that it was not the most fun activity. <clears throat> that happens, but baby looks cute, looks just like her. So that's fun. Right on. Yeah. So we'll do a show without Kenna, and it, it won't be as good, and that's just how it goes. Do our, we'll do our best. Yeah, it won't it won't be good enough. That's okay. I can uh, try it won't to be do the <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, try to help because it, it won't be the first time that we've disappointed somebody. But that's okay. It's true. Okay, um, so we got some questions on a few topics, but before we get to the gastritis kind of stuff, um, I wanted to hit a question from Rick because we're going to talk a whole bunch about stomach acid in this episode. So I wanted to hit this question from Rick to kind of correct some things where we may have confused some people in the past. So Rick's two questions for the show are about drinking liquids and digestion. The first one, he says, I was told at a young age that if you drink any kind of pill, you should drink at least a cup of water so there's enough liquid in your stomach to break it down. True? And second, I've heard that you should drink something with meals because you need liquid to help your body move the food through the digestive system. I've also heard that you shouldn't drink anything with meals as this dilutes the stomach acid and interferes with digestion. To drink or not to drink, that is the question. And if the dilution thing is correct, should we be drinking those eight glasses of water a day as we've been told? So first let's hit the should I drink a cup of water with a pill thing. And uh, that sounds more like an old wives' tale than something that's scientific just because of the fact that really I've seen people that their digestion is so poor, they can't really break down a capsule or some kind of tablet uh, or some kind of pill, especially if it's a cheap pill with all these horrible binders that's hard to break down anyways. So I don't think you can put an amount of water that's needed to break down a pill, um, especially with the ones that you're going to take with food because uh, all that digestive action is kind of going on. But uh, there could be some validity there that 
you know, you need something in the stomach. You don't just want to swallow a pill dry. and It could take a lot longer to break down. Or if someone's digestive capacity was weak, it might not, you know, break down much at all. And they might poop a pill that says one a day on it when it comes out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that there is some legitimacy to having some fluid working through the system. But you do want to be conscious of, like, not diluting it too much. So... The primary thing is like you got to make sure that your stomach acid levels are there, and a lot of times we'll get a good sort of intuition around um, like how much we actually need when we're eating a meal, and, and it can vary also depending on the water content of the meal itself. Right. So when it gets to food, the thing that we wanted to kind of clear up a little bit is a couple things that it is true that water is necessary for the digestive process. You need water there. Um, so you don't have to be afraid of having water while you're having food, uh, so to speak, because it, it helps with that process. What we have said before was that uh, if someone's electrolyte deficient and their blood pressure is very low, and that's a really strong indication of a lack of mineral, when that's the case, there's often not enough mineral for the body to make enough HCL, so their HCL production will be low. So... When HCL production is very low, <clears throat> they might not be making very much stomach acid as it is and having poor digestion that way and inability to break down the proteins and such in their stomach. Now, water is not enough to neutralize the acid from HCL. The HCL is too acidic to be basically neutralized by water, so that's not going to be the case. But if you don't have much acid being produced, you could dilute it a little bit um, if you drank too much. So in those cases, you just want to be aware of what you're doing. And like Will was saying with this, you know, you, you'll kind of figure it out a little bit um, just by listening to your body. But beyond that situation of a person with very low stomach acid, maybe very low electrolytes, you don't have to be scared to drink water with your meal like you're going to turn off your digestion. You won't. The, the stomach acid is far too strong to be neutralized by just water. But if someone has a task of, uh, you know, maybe they're trying to increase their water intake to um, lose weight or to bring down their uh, blood pressure or something, it's good to drink a big uh percentage of your water away from those meals so that that water can go towards helping the body do those things that you're trying to do instead of just uh, going towards the aid of digestion and stuff like that. So I hope that clears up a little bit about, about what Rick is saying. It, there, is, there isn't an answer for every person. We already kind of know that. But um, the people that do need to be cautious, that doesn't mean they can't have any water with their meal and to always avoid it. You do want some in there, but most people, if they're taking HCL, they're already drinking some water with all the HCL that they're taking, so they're they're getting enough water in there to aid digestion. Yeah, unless if they were of the thinking that, oh, they shouldn't drink any water with it at all, and they just try to choke it down. Right, right. So that's what we want to kind of correct, is just in case we confuse people by saying, Push your water away from your meals if your stomach acid is really weak. That's, it's a good guideline, but just don't let it, don't go overboard with that and have no water whatsoever. You want some water to help your meals digest mm -hmm. properly. Right on. Um, do you want to look at? Yeah. We nailed that without a girl. We didn't yeah, have a girl. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
was just two stupid guys. We we handled yeah, maybe that. We'll have Kenan chime in and do commentary, like Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Uh huh. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> should we jump on to Paul's comments? Yeah, let's let's hit cool. Paul. He said, "I have long running problems with my digestion and bowels. It started with me having a lot of attacks of diverticulitis, which I mispronounced horribly. Sorry. Which yeah, which we'll led to many bouts of antibiotics." I eventually had a piece of my bowel removed, which stopped the attacks, but I think the repeated antibiotic have really messed me up. I get bloated after eating and often have a huge amount of burping, although it isn't usually between meals and can be accompanied by nausea and headaches. I also have attacks of migraines, which are accompanied by feelings that my whole body is poisoned. The last few years have been hell, and there's accompanied depression and anxiety as well, but I'm sure this is caused by toxins from bad bacteria and candida. A stool test has confirmed excess Poestrida species and organic acid test showed candida overgrowth. I have tried probiotics, herbal antibiotics, beet flow, etc., and they have varying degrees of success, and then I relapse. One common theme is that when I try to stimulate digestion, either directly or with HCL or indirectly with bitters, I end up with gastritis. So this is not the path. Any advice would be welcome. He broke up there, so he's saying, so this is not a path for me because I end up with discomfort any time I, I try mm -hmm. to do that. So let's talk about that a little bit. There's a lot of things to kind of hit on here. Um, but with diverticulitis, basically, uh, my understanding is that the underlying cause is most commonly a lack of digestion and food still being undigested moving through the system. Um, which can lead to damaging that uh, villa and the, the intestinal lining and uh, creating pockets of uh, where bacteria and other things can get in there and create like an infection that is um, causing this discomfort. So think of almost like a, you know, people get appendicitis. Your appendix is just like this little runaway cave that kind of goes off of your uh, intestinal tract where it's believed that it's used to like, so for bacteria can slip in there. So if you have diarrhea and fry all of your beneficial bacteria, that you have almost like a starter kit in your appendix that can kind of come back out and re-implant beneficial bacteria in your intestinal tract. And so that's kind of the thought of what that's for. But a lot of people will get it infected and they go in and take it out because it's this pocket that kind of got you know, bad bacteria in there and it got an infection and caused all kinds of problems. Um, so they take it out so they don't have sepsis and die or all kinds of craziness. So uh, it's my understanding that diverticulitis can be like a, a much smaller version of that, of much smaller little pockets that were created by damage or inflammation or some type of bacterial infection that caused that damage. So if you were having that situation before, it's likely that digestion was not going well and that food particles were still coming in with an identity instead of being broken down into amino acids and vitamins and minerals and all that kind of stuff. So when things are not being broken down, it does create a sense of toxicity in the system because the system is toxic from all the gases of the rotting and the fermenting of that food. Your toxicity could also be from a lot of the meds that you were using or the candida overgrowth, you know, all of those living things in there have waste. And when a lot of those bad guys start to take over, the waste can, the person can just be kind of toxic. It's like a toxic mess, mm -hmm. right, Will? Yeah, there, 
we need to have both uh, components of our digestive chemicals working. And there's a lot of different chemicals that go into the process, obviously, but the two that we really focus on uh, because they are so often out of balance is having enough acid in your stomach to really sterilize the food as it enters the body and then also having strong bicarbonate from our pancreas and also bile to help break down and neutralize the acid and kill off any of the any of the species that may have survived the acid bath are usually not very good at surviving an alkaline bath. So our, by the time that our food starts to actually hit our bloodstream, it's been through a pretty intense chemical sterilization process, and that helps it keep our gut pretty clean and clear. Um, and then with other sort of like mechanisms that are caused by that chemical balance of the acid and the bile, that helps our food move through us in a timely manner. So like bile salts and such can trigger peristalsis to help our digestive system keep that stuff moving through so there's not excess stagnation and then uh, rotting and fermentation that can, that can happen when food isn't moving through at a, at a timely manner. So all that goes to help keep the system clean and less toxic overall. Um, there's also important uh, antimicrobial fibers that we can emphasize like like uh, raw carrots, cooked mushrooms, and also Swedish bitter herbs that can kind of keep our bacteria populations in check. And that's it's still a really uh, amazing and complex new science where they're looking at the whole microbiome and all the factors that go into making it healthy. But it is interesting to note that it's not necessarily the case that more is better as far as intestinal flora goes. And there's some Right, if you don't want to take, you know, as far as a lot of people here, it's good, so they take probiotics every day for 15 years. Yeah, and that, that can be overkill, and it, they can also cause problems. Like sometimes they give us nice and helpful, necessary things like certain B vitamins and vitamin K and these useful uh, nutrients, and they also help us get more nutrients out of our food. So that's a nice symbiotic relationship. But there can be, and that can kind of be like if you have like a pet in your house, it can like if you love and make things like fun and then you know they take some food and energy to to upkeep and they create a little bit of waste but it's you know overall a good relationship and that is kind of a different situation than if you had like 30 dogs in your house instead of just one like all of a sudden like way too many is now a problem like it's the same even if it's the same species like there's just all this extra burden if there's too much flora so why we sometimes talk about using antimicrobials like raw carrots, cooked mushrooms, Swedish bitter herbs, bamboo shoot. Those things can help keep it so that there's the right kind of flora in our gut and not too many. If you're a health, fitness, or nutrition professional, check out our other podcast, Six Figure Health Pro. We dig into the latest marketing techniques and business growing strategies for health professionals. To learn how to take your business to the next level, search for Six Figure Health Pro on iTunes or Stitcher or go to sixfigurehealthpro.com to learn more. Now do what you're told. All right, so let's let's go to the gastritis thing a little bit because I, when people talk about gastritis, I I never know if they've been diagnosed with gastritis or they just have uh, discomfort so they feel like it's in my stomach so it must be gastritis. But gastritis is actually an inflammation of the stomach lining and that doesn't mean all the other discomfort that can go on further down the line or it may also not mean discomfort that can go on in the stomach for totally different reasons. So gastritis, that actual inflammation, and that inflammation of the stomach lining 
is what can, if, at a further degree, can create ulcers in the stomach. And they're almost always, uh, this inflammation is almost always caused by um, either like a non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory drugs or H. pylori or similar bacteria. Um, and they say a lot of things that alcohol can create problems when it's at excess too. I heard people say that caffeine can do a similar thing, but I feel like maybe caffeine is magnifying something else that's already a problem. I don't envision caffeine causing actual gastritis just with caffeine alone, but I don't know. I could be totally wrong with that. Have you ever heard anything about no, that? No, I mean, I suppose there could be people that are, um, their chemistry is just really off where it wouldn't be a good thing necessarily for them to Right, or they could have some bacterial infection that's already causing problems. Maybe caffeine did something to magnify it. I could, I could buy into that. Okay, I just didn't want people to run in fear from. Yeah, caffeine. I've never heard of it causing gastritis. No. <clears throat> okay, so when we're looking at this, we're looking at the actual lining of the stomach becoming inflamed, and the most common cause is uh, an H. pylori infection. And they figure probably fifty percent of the population has an H. pylori infection to one degree or the another, which can be very asymptomatic. And sometimes the H. pylori is just fine in the system, and it's it's not to a level that's going to cause problems. A lot of people feel even that if someone is uh, gets H. pylori in the system at a young age, that it actually can be beneficial, beneficial through their lives for one reason or another. But... Um, the problem seems to be most common from this issue, from this bacterial overgrowth that creates inflammation of the lining of the stomach, which can lead to ulcers. And and even the medical world uh, ag- uh, agrees now, which is, uh, it's rare that we find that the medical world agrees with a lot of the stuff that we talk about. Um, but they agree that ulcers are pretty much always caused by this type of bacterial infection in most cases and it is not caused by excessive stomach acid like people believed for a long time Um, it's this bacterial issue so when someone says I have gastritis I never really know did they really get that checked out and they were diagnosed with gastritis and they see that there was a problem and inflammation in the lining of the stomach or are they just having a discomfort or or maybe even a doctor just diagnosed them off of symptoms saying that oh you were you have this discomfort, so we're going to call it gastritis so that we can uh, prescribe medications mm-hmm. for you because they can't really prescribe things unless there's a diagnosis. So that is possible cause. So when we're looking at with stuff with Paul, we got to kind of say, okay, you know, do you have inflammation of the stomach lining or maybe even an ulcer or are you getting discomfort for different reasons? Because... Let's say that a person has an ulcer in their stomach and they put HCL supplementation into their stomach. Well, now it's like putting lemon juice on an open wound on your hand. That's, that's a painful thing to do. You won't do it again. It'll make you sad when you do that. So if you put acid into an ulcer, it be, it's painful like right then. Like the, the person can feel it because it's an open wound and that acid is hitting tissues that it should not be hitting. The stomach lining is made to hold that acid without any trouble. But if you have some big open wound and some type of ulcer that's kind of deteriorated that lining and gone down to different tissue, that's why it can create pain. So you wouldn't want to add HCL in that situation until you healed that ulcer. But can we talk for a second, Will, about how... 
if this stomach is very alkaline and you put HCL in there, what that reaction can cause and how that can create discomfort in a totally different way. Yeah, it would be a very different sensation. It wouldn't feel like a it wouldn't feel like a cut sort of burn. It would feel much more like a volcano erupting or just like a ton of pressure. Yes, <laughs> a good one. It's like a ton of pressure and bloating in your stomach from the neutralization of the acid and base of whatever is the alkaline component, whether it's usually ammonia from bacteria production uh, interacting with the hydrochloric acid, causing like a big fizzy mess, very much like vinegar and baking soda being mixed together. You get this off gas produced and also some bacteria die off, but mainly it's like that chemical explosion between the acid and base and you get a ton, a ton of bloating, and that's just really uncomfortable. A lot of people kind of freak out when they first start taking HCL if their stomach's really alkaline because they feel so nauseous, and it's just really uncomfortable. So a lot of the time what we'll recommend they do is preemptively, like if they have that experience when they take HCL, we usually tell them to cool off on the HCL for a minute, and or for a few days rather, and take a product called D-limonene, which is an extract from orange peel. It can help kill the bacteria that's producing the ammonia, which is the, the primary like alkaline uh, component in a alkaline stomach. So once that is gone, then when you do add the HCL, it's not nearly as tumultuous. Right, it's not creating, because a lot of times that feeling, it may be a bloating or discomfort or heavy, but it can also feel like cramping or flat-out pain because those gases can expand the stomach or the intestinal tract in a manner that would be like you stretching your intestinal tract. It would be painful. It's still part of your body. Um, so it can create a discomfort in a lot of different ways. But when you take D-limonene, you're not just going to kill all the bacteria in your stomach if there's an overgrowth with just D-limonene. It's just, it's not going to happen because bacteria can crawl up into the mucus layer and hide and, um, but you can decrease it enough to where when you add HCL, there won't be this fizzy mess and acid and alkaline mixing and making this crazy reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I've almost every time that I've gone about that, unless the person has like a hiatal hernia, that's been a really good solution. Right. Um, so we also like to tell people that delimining can be really very pro catabolic and, uh, if you don't understand what catabolic is, if this is the first time you've heard this show, um, you can check out our almost free four-week digestion course at kickitnaturally.com, and it'll help you uh, look at your own physiology, doing simple tests that you can do at home with things, tools you can pick up at a pharmacy or a health food store. And it'll help you look at your physiology and, and get an understanding of, am I leaning one direction or another in some specific imbalances? And a catabolic imbalance is a place where the body is kind of breaking itself down too much, but not moving into that anabolic rebuilding stage. So it can cause a wide variety of problems. So D-limonene is very pro-catabolic. So if someone was already too far in a catabolic state, they wouldn't want to use a lot of D-limonene because they could make that much worse. So we tell people to look at your chemistry. Uh, we like to see people skip a dose every other day instead of taking it every day uh, just to make sure they're not going to push themselves too far into the catabolic direction. But once you do that, then most people can do things like the HCL 
without having what they may call gastritis. Now, again, if your gastritis is actual worn down or inflamed lining of the stomach, taking HCL could be very uncomfortable in that situation. But in 90% of the cases that we see, a person can use delimonene, wipe out a good layer of that uh, bacteria, and then they're fine using HCL. So it's worth testing it out. If you do use HCL and it's very painful, in that moment, you can always just take a little baking soda and mix it in water and then drink that, and that will neutralize the stomach acid. Now, in doing that, you have wrecked digestion for that meal. Don't get me wrong. And you could feel bloated and, and uncomfortable, but that might be better than the burning that would happen with HCL mixing with uh, an ulcer, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, it can provide a little safety release if you're scared or if it's really hurting. But most of the time, people are able to, unless they have like an open ulcer, uh, most of the time people are able to handle it pretty well, especially if they've done the delimining thing first. Right, they just may be uncomfortable and maybe feel nauseous or something like that. Um, so if that's if that was your case when you used HCL, Paul, then it might be worth checking out some delimining to see if that could help the situation a little bit. As far as you know, saying that there's some depression and anxiety that goes along with it, I, I also remember this question was in the group, and I remember seeing Paul say that he seemed to be leaning anabolic, um, which... Uh, could be magnifying that anxiety issue and the lack of digestion could be contributing to the depression just because your body doesn't have the ability to pull the minerals that it needs to function correctly out of the food that you're eating if digestion is basically broken. Yeah, yeah. And this this is going to cause a lot of just discomfort in his body overall and lack of energy. And, and that can directly make someone obviously feel depressed. And the toxins, yeah, it's it's very understandable how someone could have constant anxiety as well and it is a really important thing to try to um, to do your best to clear out so if there is other sort of uh, additional like functional medicine doctors you could work with to help uh, monitor your progress as you do different cleanses it might be a, a useful thing if you can find someone locally in your area if the digestive issues course that we posted up online isn't enough a specialist might be a really good move Okay, let's hit uh, Wilson's questions and we'll, and we'll talk a couple more things about gastritis type of stuff. So Wilson said, what can you take that will help heal chronic gastritis? Mine is asymptomatic, no pain but shows up on tests. I tried glutamine, but it made my blood sugar issues worse. Any other suggestions? So she said that these blood sugar issues were of not high blood sugar, but like hypoglycemic issues and spiking and crashing mm. type of thing. Um, uh, and one of the other coaches kind of explained to her correctly, so we'll talk about that some a little bit. Um, but basically, glutamine doesn't do anything to fix the underlying cause of gastritis. So if that's your solution for gastritis, you're not really going to improve anything. Um, what glutamine is great for is let's say that you have an ulcer or some type of open wound um, in your stomach or intestinal tract or something. Glutamine is very pro-anabolic, so it pushes that body into that healing and rebuilding state. So you're kind of magnifying your body's ability to heal by taking glutamine, and that's why so many people use it for these type of issues to help improve that problem. But... Glutamine doesn't do anything to wipe out any type of bacteria infection that's causing 
the inflammation or the ulcers. Um, so it's not going to fix an actual problem. And it probably made you worse because if it pushed you more anabolic, it could raise your urine pH, it could uh, make your insulin even more powerful so that you're, when you're eating carbs and sugars, your insulin kind of becomes this bully and pushes too much sugar out of the bloodstream into the cells, and then you're left with nothing, and you kind of crash, and and you can't function as a human being. So someone who already has blood sugar issues, glutamine is not something that they would want to take because it would greatly magnify that spiking and crashing mm. ability. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I haven't heard of it really as a use for gastritis either, but I would want to look at try to get to the bottom of what exactly is causing the inflammation in the first place um, as opposed to just before we even figure out what would be the best tool we got to figure out what the problem is so if there are um, if there if there is a little reference that we could make I remember Tony you had this one little test that you would do to see if people's um, acid levels were strong enough I think it was something we learned from the chiropractor guy Shankar where he would do a little test where he would have someone drink like a small quantity of water with baking soda in it just to see like how long it took to create a like a belch and that wasn't I do remember something about that that wasn't something that I ever used but I do remember us talking about yeah. that but if someone gets bloated there you go you got a pretty good sign that the stomach is not acidic yeah, enough yeah yeah um, so yeah and there and there's other go ahead there's other signs as well. You know, acid reflux is a sign of not having enough stomach acid, being constipated. Um, not having enough stomach acid is one possible cause of constipation, not the only, but it's one possible cause. So some of those things, if that's going on with you and they all start to add up, then, hey, maybe I don't have enough stomach acid. If you see food in your stool, you, you don't have enough stomach acid because that's not being broken down properly. Uh, you should not eat salad and then poop coleslaw. You know, it, you, food should be broken down. Um, but let's talk for a second, too, about what if someone really has gastritis and they really have, maybe they've been diagnosed with an ulcer or some type of inflammation and they want to heal that. That's a case where a lot of doctors will give you a PPI and turn off the stomach acid because think about that cut on the hand that we talked about before. If you dumped lemon juice on that, Every day, maybe it doesn't take so long to to. I mean, maybe maybe it takes longer to heal if you're, uh, you know, causing irritation to that every single day. Um, so, I, I'm okay with doctors doing that in that case. If somebody has like a bleeding ulcer type of situation and they want to turn off stomach acid while they heal that, I'm okay with that happening. It's just important that you understand what you're doing when you turn off stomach acid so that you don't think that's a good idea to do that for the next six months. Because a lot of doctors will tell people that, oh, you can just take this indefinitely now. Even though every package of PPI says, this should not be taken for more than two weeks, basically is what is what they tell yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, doctors know that um, you're not going to get much nutrition when you're on that. So sometimes their solution for that is to recommend like vitamins, but that's not going to solve the whole protein issue. So it's not a long-term solution. Um, and there is also further to look with Wilson in general of like what, what else is off that is contributing to his blood sugar issues. And you know the, uh, the fat loss course that we have on Kick It Naturally can also help. You look at other numbers. So 
he knows from his test with his doctor he has some signs. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Wilson is a she. Oh, I messed sorry. that up. Sorry. So she knows that she has chronic gastritis just from uh, her test, but she also is at least somewhat aware of where her blood sugar tends to be. And she could get more of an understanding of why her blood sugar is high if she were to learn how to do the different self-tests that we teach at uh, that free, almost free digestive issues course at kickitnaturally.com. And it could help her just get a better understanding of like, you know, the dietary changes and other supplements that might be useful to, to help correct that issue because um, that, that is also a significant health concern. Right, and if someone has gastritis that is caused by taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, then maybe they could find an alternative to that. Maybe they could look at the underlying cause of whatever is causing inflammation in the body and work on that. Um, so that's one thing that a person could fix. And if, if it's caused by an H. pylori infection, they can do work to wipe out that infection because that infection could cause an inflammation in the stomach that would show up on a test and allow a person to be diagnosed with gastritis. But the inflammation might not be so bad that it's to the point where it's causing open ulcers yet. So that person could use HCL successfully without it having a painful situation for them because the stomach's making acid anyways uh, in most cases unless an H. pylori has completely turned it off by eating up all the hydrogen that the body uses to make HCL. Um, but this person, if, if they don't have an actual ulcer, could use that. Now, if a person has an ulcer, a PPI might be the right move for them. And then in that, in that time frame, glutamine might be appropriate to help the body become in a more repairing, healing state, as long as they're not already pushed too far in an anabolic state, which you could figure out by... Uh, you know, running the self-test that we talk about in all of our books and courses. Um, you can learn more about that at kickitnaturally.com. You could also, if you need advanced stuff, uh, why don't we have Kenna real quick jump in and tell us about our health pro course. If you want to learn more about how to look at your own chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the almost free four-week digestion course at kickitnaturally.com or learn more about how to become a health coach at healthprocourse.com. Thank you for that. Okay, so... There's a lot of things that a person can look at here, but the important thing to understand is that don't view stomach discomfort as gastritis because it sounds like gastritis. It may just be discomfort from a lot of things going wrong and food not getting digested and rotting and fermenting and some type of bacterial overgrowth that's going crazy. There's a lot of things that could go on. And if HCL makes you more uncomfortable... That doesn't mean that you don't need HCL. It may be, it just seems that the people who need HCL the most are the people that have the most discomfort when they first start to use it. So if you take HCL and you immediately have flaming diarrhea where it just shoots out the back door, then you're, you don't need to be taking HCL. It's not appropriate for you because either you have plenty and you just added more that made it too much or you don't have bile flowing properly enough to neutralize the acid that's leaving the stomach, and that's why you're having diarrhea. But beyond that, when someone takes HCL and they have discomfort, that doesn't mean that it's not appropriate for them. It means that they may need to wipe out a layer of bacteria before they can handle adding acid to the stomach like the stomach is supposed to have in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's there's other, if you do have that issue, like where you had crazy, like explosive diarrhea with um, HCL, that, that 
can lead us back to bioflow, which we have lots and lots of different episodes about. Um, if you do, you remember any of the specific titles where we talked uh, about doing a beat flow flush in other episodes? Yeah, IBS, Crohn's, and colitis was one. So you could go to kickitnaturally.com and just in the search box, just search for topics that you're looking for help on. And we have a whole, we have like a page that lists all the shows that we've done. And you can kind of find past episodes where we've talked about those things. Yeah, usually like work on getting bioflow going first is, is a good move at that point. And then um, trying to revisit the HCL if necessary. Right. So... That's it. That's anything else that we left out when we're looking at the things that a person should look at? I think those were like kind of the main points to cover, kind of clear up the bit of myth about uh, you need to you do you do not need to avoid drinking uh, any water at a meal. It's okay to have some, and um, yeah, I think the other points kind of were pretty directly spot on with you to say. Yeah, I think we, I think we rocked the house. Um, all right, cool. So if anything was confusing, go to kickitnaturally.com and click on our uh, download the free quick start guide because um, that will kind of help you figure out, okay, where do I start? What do I really need to look at first? And uh, you can also take the almost free four-week digestion course. It's only 50 cents. We just we have that on there because we need a person to put their credit card in there to keep out all the spam registration. So our system requires that someone pays something for every registration, so we just put the lowest price it would do. Um, but that'll help you walk through some videos. It'll help you look at where is your physiology, what's going on with digestion, what what needs to be fixed in order to improve the discomfort that I'm having, and then you can go from there. So I think that's it. Will, where can people find stuff about yeah, you? You can go to mybodyofknowledge.net uh, to find a bunch of different articles that I did in the past. And I have a more recent one if you're looking for more sort of stuff around exercise for pain relief or just corrective exercise and that's at thewesternyogi.com so either one of those are a good spot cool all right thanks guys we will see you soon Come.